Hey guys, welcome back to one more new episode in Salesforce Cast podcast, and this is Teja. So in this episode, we'll try to pick it up from where we have stopped in the previous episode. And the previous episode, we discussed about a lot of things which are related to the tool that I'm trying to publish. So what I'll try to do is I'll try to do or I'll try to give a refresher of the previous episode, just in case if you kind of forgot as to what I was trying to discuss in the previous episode, the refresher is going to help you. And in case if you are someone like me who would like to uh, listen to things in sequential order, then I would request you to check the previous episode and then come back to this episode. Or if you are someone who is very much okay with grasping things right from the middle of the bat, then I would say please go ahead and start uh, listening to the uh, rest of the episode. So let's get started. So in the previous episode, we started off with how did I conceive the idea of building a tool like this? So everything started a couple of years back when I was trying to have a conversation with. Google customer care executives, and they were trying to send quick replies, and that kind of fascinated me. I just wanted to build something like that for software developers as well, and that is how the whole idea of building a tool like this came into picture. And the next thing is, what are the approaches or uh, options that I kind of explored? So initially, I wanted to build a Chrome extension, but there were few bottlenecks when it comes to building a Chrome extension because there is a 5 MB limit that uh, Chrome extension should respect and uh, there is something called sandboxing concept which is nothing but there are a whole bunch of uh, chrome related security functions that we need to respect in case if you want to build any extension so there were a lot of other bottlenecks and i didn't wanted to take that route in fact i just wanted to build something which has got no limitations as such so what i did was i tried looking into the option of building a standalone app but once again i was kind of uh, facing few more bottlenecks with that approach that is because in case if i have to build a Uh, PC related uh, software, then I have to do it with either .NET or Python or some other PC related framework or libraries with Mac. Then I have to do it with Objective C or Swift or or that stuff. So likewise, if I want to build a Linux related software, then I have to do it with Python. And once again, I didn't wanted to learn all these programming languages just to build a small tool, just to build a small utility tool like this. So that was the bottleneck I kind of faced. And once again, I started. Uh, doing research as to what is the appropriate framework that I can use to build a tool like this, which is basically a small tool, which is going to be a utility-based tool. And as mentioned, I didn't wanted to spend that kind of time learning all the programming languages just to build a very small utility tool like this. So that is when I kind of came across with something called Electron JS, and Electron JS is basically a JavaScript-based framework. And what this does is this framework is in fact written in C++ and Objective C, and then you might be confused as to how come C++ code or Objective C related code is kind of exposed as the JavaScript framework. So behind the scenes, in case if you're interested, I'll just try to give you that information. Uh, in case if you're not interested, just ignore this this piece of information. So behind the scenes, what they're trying to do is they are using C++ and Objective C, and then they're using something called JavaScript bindings. And using those bindings, they're exposing the C++ and Objective C related code. as javascript uh, functions to us and we are going ahead and we are trying to consume those functions and we are trying to build stuff so basically in electron js what we'll try to do is we'll try to make use of the basic standard web technologies something like your html something like native javascript and css we'll try to build things using these web technologies and the end product is going to be a exe file in case if you want to export the whole software as a dmg file you can do it in case if you want to export a uh, couple of other variants which support linux you can do it so on and so forth so the basic advantage of 
Electron JSS, you will try to write the code once and you can export multiple variants of the same software, something like a .exe file, .dmg file, so on and so forth. So I thought Electron JS is going to be the right tool to build this software and I kind of started learning Electron JS by going through the documentation. I think I spent one weekend just to briefly go through the documentation and try to get a basic hang of how to make use of the browser and uh, processes and other stuff. And in case if you're interested as to how things work in Electron.js, then they're using something called Chromium environment and the runtime is going to be Node.js. Until now, you would have used or you would have heard that Node.js is used to build web technologies. But uh, in, in Electron.js, what they're trying to do is, as mentioned, the underlying code is C++ and Objective-C related code. And they're trying to use something called Chromium environment. And once again, you don't have to understand anything about Chromium environment. And the runtime is Node.js so that you can use any of the NPM modules that are available or that can be used with Node.js along with your Electron.js. So let us say that you wanted to build a functionality and you somehow found that there is a NPM module which is already available there. Then you can just go ahead and start installing the NPM module because your runtime is Node.js and Node.js is going to understand the NPM module that you kind of installed. And when you try to use the NPM related code or when you try to import the libraries, from your installed module into your JS file, then it is going to understand what you're trying to do. And then we discussed about other out of the box functionalities which are provided by Electron.js, uh, all the packaging or distribution related techniques and modules which are uh, available as, as far as Electron.js environment is concerned or ecosystem is concerned. So we discussed about a lot of other things as well. We discussed about a lot of other nitty gritties as well. And I don't want to get into all those things in case if you're kind of interested about all the technicalities, I would request you to check the previous episode. And there we kind of spent good amount of time talking about all these technicalities. And post that we also discussed about all the features that I kind of built, which are already in place. So we basically have a form and this form is used to create a new snippet. And what I mean by that is you can try to give a shortcut or abbreviation and right below it, you can also give the expanded format or the long version. And whenever you try to click on the save button, this snippet gets saved. And right below that we have a tabular form. And uh, this tabular form is going to display all the entries into the uh, table that we kind of stored. And on top of it, we have a search box. Let us say that you kind of forgot the abbreviation that you have uh, given to store a particular snippet. In that case, all you can do is you can just make use of the search box. You can try to give some search text there and uh, you click on the search button. It is going to give you all the entries which are matching the search text that you have given. So you can make use of the search box and it is pretty common that we forgot the abbreviations that we have given for snippets. So this search function is going to help you a lot. And along with that, uh, in the tabular format that I'm trying to display, which is basically trying to display all these stored snippets, right beside every row, I'm trying to do display a delete icon. And when you, whenever you try to click on this delete icon, it's going to delete or wipe off that entry from the table. And as of now, I have not created or I have not provided any edit functionality. In case if you want to, make any changes then the only way that you have to do it is you have to delete it and then you have to create a new snippet uh, i don't see a reason why i did not provide the edit functionality but yeah i have not provided the edit functionality i because that is because i just wanted to come up with bare minimum features and i wanted to get it right and then i want to ship it first post which i can go ahead and i can look into polishing it adding some more other value added features and stuff like that so yeah i have not provided any edit functionality as of now in case if you're interested in editing a snippet the only way that you can do it is you have to delete the entry and then you have to create a new entry 
So we have a form which takes care of inserting new snippets. We have the tabular format, we have delete row format, and then we have the search functionality. And we also have a dedupe functionality, which is nothing but when you're trying to insert a abbreviation and you already have a record with the same abbreviation, then it is not going to allow you. It is going to give you a friendly error message saying that you already have a abbreviation with this abbreviation and it asks you to give some other abbreviation for the expanded text. So these are a few things that I kind of uh, uh, built already. And there are a couple of other small features and functionalities that I wanted to build even before I release the first version. So we'll start off uh, discussing about them, post which we'll be talking about a lot of other stuff. So the functionality that I want to build even before I release the first version is, one of them is license management because as of now, I have not decided if this tool is going to be a premium solution or if this will be a paid tool or open source tool or free tool. I have not decided about any of these things. In case if this is going to be a paid tool, then I need to implement something called a license management feature, which is nothing but every user when he tries to download the software, then it is going to ask him to put a license key. And this license key has to be unique. So I'll have to make use of few other NPM modules which are already available to generate unique numbers so that when user tries to install it and when he tries to activate it, it is going to ask the user for the license key and the user has to paste the license key. It's only then the software is going to get activated. So I need to implement this functionality. As mentioned, I have not yet decided if this tool is going to be a free tool or paid tool in case if I decide that it is going to be a paid tool, that is when I need to implement this. In case if I want to release this as an open source tool, then I don't have to look into any of these things. I can completely omit it. And likewise, I also have to think about the channel that I'll be using to distribute it because there is something called gumroad.com wherein it provides out of the box license management feature. So they will try to give you a unique license key and you can share it with your customers once after the payment is done and uh, they can go ahead and use that license to activate their software but i still need to understand or i still need to look into the documentation to understand how to integrate their license key generation mechanism with the uh, software activation thing so is it like populate the database with maybe thousands of license keys and try to generate a license key from gumroad give it back to users and when user tries to activate the software by using the license key check if that license key is already there in the database or yeah i'm really not sure how i have to implement this i'm really not sure how their uh, architecture is like so in case if i want to uh, make this as a paid tool and in case if i want to use gumroad to distribute it then i'll have to understand their documentation to get it implemented or i can just go ahead and start using the existing course platform that i have got uh, so if you go to salesforcecast.com you'll have all the uh, courses there so I'm just debating if I should use gumroad.com or my actual course platform. In case if it is going to be my course platform, then I'll have to implement the whole license management functionality all by myself. As mentioned, I'll have to use a couple of NPM modules which are available to generate the unique key and that stuff. So this is one thing that I want to implement in case if I want to make this a paid tool. The next thing is, as of now, what happens is, let us say that there is a sentence and a user wanted to get the full form or expanded format just by giving a abbreviation or short form. So he tries to put his cursor at a particular place in the whole sentence. And the moment he gives the abbreviation, it is going to get the full snippet and paste it there. That is what I have now. But I still have to implement some sort of advanced triggering functionalities. And what I mean by that is, as of now, 
you might be in any line you might be in any position of the sentence it is going to give you the full form the moment you give the short form but let us say that there is the abbreviation which is hash lb and it is going to give you lightning button syntax now when user tries to type hash l space couple of spaces and couple of backspaces and when he tries to give b then it is not going to fire as of now that is how the system is so though the abbreviation that we have given here is the right abbreviation it is not going to give us expanded format that is because here we are trying to purely read the keystrokes if you look at the keystrokes that i have given here it is hash lb uh, three spaces or two spaces and three or two backspaces and then b so though the text that you have given here is representing the abbreviation in the database but if you try to understand the uh, keys that we kind of press it is not hash lb there are multiple other keys that we kind of pressed within uh, l and alphabet l and alphabet b so that is something that i'm not okay with so i need, I, I kind of you know share this software with a few of my friends i asked them to test it and give some of their feedback and this is one of the uh, valid feedbacks that one of my friends has given which is if the user is trying to perform some sort of operation like this there is a good possibility that he might make some mistake when he is trying to type something or maybe he forgot his abbreviation so he gives hash space l g instead of b and then he clicks on backspace and then he gives b so though the abbreviation is right it is not going to give you the expanded format because you be, here we are purely trying to capture the uh, keystrokes and though the text a or abbreviation is the right abbreviation uh, the keystrokes are not matching the abbreviation that is stored in the database so the way i try to fix this is when there are any special keys which are used apart from uh, characters and numbers something like your backspaces control buttons alt buttons shift buttons then i need to just ignore it and when user tries to click any of the backspaces as of now i'm just trying to use a variable called buffer and this buffer is trying to hold uh, all the keystrokes that user presses and very frequently periodically this buffer will be flushed and it will be made null when a user tries to press on enter space or other characters so when user tries to click on backspace uh, after uh, entering a couple of wrong uh, characters then what i need to do is right from the buffer if it if the key pressed is a backspace then i need to remove one of the elements from the buffer so that way what we can do is the keys used are something different from the actual abbreviation if the actual abbreviation meets the abbreviation that is stored in the database we can go ahead and fetch the snippet and display it back to users so this is some of the advanced usage stuff that i want to uh, work on even before i release the first version i don't know if i have mentioned this earlier but i wanted to release something which is fully stable rather than trying to uh, publish something just for the sake of publishing it and not being able to put up with the emails or catch up with the emails that people send me and i i completely wanted to avoid that situation so i'll just try and make sure that the first version is pretty much stable just to avoid all the back and forth communication uh, and another stuff so this is one thing that i want to look into even before i publish it and the next thing is as of now everything is one html file so there is something called index.html and within that index.html i'm trying to put all the ui related stuff in fact it is basically one html file because as mentioned you'll be having a form you'll be having a search form you'll be having a tabular format so everything is being put into a html file and likewise we i have a js file which is index.js and uh, all the js related code is being put into that file 
and there is one more file which is main.js and this is the one which is responsible in trying to create a browser window and do not try to get confused with the word browser here browser is nothing but based on the html file that we have it is like creating a window um, in a standalone app so you can think of this browser as something related to chromium and you don't have to understand about any of these things for you to go ahead and start using this tool so basically main.js is the configuration uh, js file which is going to decide the height and width of the app and it is going to decide all the options that you get from the menu bar so usually when you go to any software you'll find something called file edit view and that stuff so in case if you want to append or in case if you want to create some menu options like that so main.js is the file or is the place where we can go ahead and try to put all the uh, configuration related to that stuff and now what i want to do is i want to completely refactor this code before i uh, release it because everything is in one html file one js file and one css file i want to completely refactor this and the way i want to refactor this is i want to use lot of uh, helper functions or utility functions so i'll try to create a helper file helper js file or utility js file which is going to have a lot of functions or methods within it and all the repetitive code will be pushed into these functions so whenever you need something you just try to make a call to the method in the uh, helper file and try to fetch it so that way your index.js is going to be lot more leaner and it is going to be a lot more easier for me to understand that is because once after the initial version is released i don't want to work on the second version at least for the next two or three months so it should not be like when i come back to this code after a couple of months i should not feel as if uh, somebody wrote the code and it's not me who wrote the code i don't want things to be that way so i'm a good fan of refactoring the code uh, based on the design patterns that we have access to so what i'll try to do is i'll try to make use of helper files or utility files and i'll try to refactor the code so that your index.js is going to be a lot more leaner and all the repetitive code is being pushed to your helper.js or utility.js so these are a few things that i want to work on even before i try to publish the tool or the first version of the tool so one thing is license management and that is completely based on the decision that i'll be taking the second thing is trying to build some sort of advanced usage scenarios so trying to keep in mind all the advanced usage scenarios i'll just try to make sure that this software works and the third thing is trying to refactor the code that is because it makes the software better so after that we will be talking about enhancements which is nothing but what you can expect in the future releases and i want to make a point here i'm not saying that once after the initial version is released i'll be working on the second version for sure one thing is for sure i'll be releasing the first version but after that i'm really not sure if i'll be working on the second version i'm not sure if i'll be working uh, within a week or within a month or um, within the next 6 months as far as the second version is concerned i might work i might not work yeah anything might happen so all the features that i'm talking about now they are within the roadmap of the tool but i'm not saying i'll be working on them for sure i'm not promising anything here so the first thing that i want to work on the second version is maintaining the cursor position this is a very important feature because let us say that i have given a abbreviation and i have given 10 to 15 lines of snippet and you'll come across this very often whenever you're trying to work with ara components or lightning components because from your ara components whenever you want to make a call to your apex method then within your controller you'll have to write somewhere close to 10 to 15 lines of code now once after you give a abbreviation it is going to give you the expanded format and paste it there but 
once after it gets pasted the cursor is always going to be the end of the expanded text now manually you'll have to move the cursor to a position where you have to give your method name or you have to write something called component.get so that you can get values from your component to your controller so on and so forth once after the text is expanded you need to go ahead and you need to add some sort of generic values in terms of variables and that stuff to your uh, text that is expanded so in that case when user is trying to insert an abbreviation so the option that i want to provide here is user is going to give the abbreviation and user is also trying to give the expanded text and then he can also mention the position where the cursor has to be once after the expanded text is paced in the browser or in any of the uh, other tools once it is expanded so now let us say that user is trying to create a abbreviation let us say uh, aura method which is let us say hash am and for that we are trying to give something called component dot get c dot method name where action is equals to this action dot uh, set params action dot callback and q action let us say that we are trying to give all these lines of code as the snippet so when user tries to give a uh, abbreviation which is hash uh, am then it is going to give us this expanded text now once after this gets paced for sure i want to move the cursor to the position where i have to mention the apex method name because always the method name is not going to be the same so i only wanted to paste the skeleton that is involved in making a call to the apex method and uh, after that i want to i don't want to manually move the cursor to a position where the user will give the name of the apex method so you give the abbreviation it is going to paste the expanded format and the cursor automatically moves to the position where you have to mention the apex method so at the time of creating the abbreviation user will be or should be given the option to also store the cursor position so this is going to be a game changer if i can implement it because this is going to save lot and lot of time for the users so this is one feature that i want to implement which is maintaining or remembering the cursor position the next thing is as of now the app that i'm kind of building this is going to work for all the apps let us say that you are trying to use the skype application and by mistake you tried giving a hash am and it is going to fetch all the uh, aura related code and it is going to paste there but you would never need that abbreviation in your skype you would need it in vs code or you would need it in sublime or you would need it in any of the browsers but you would never need it in skype as of now it is not implemented which is option to disable this standalone app or option to disable the text expansion uh, to particular applications and trying to enable it only for certain set of applications and what i mean by that is so whenever you try to give the abbreviation you will see the expanded format only in chrome vs code sublime text and other uh, editors but you will not find it in slack you will not find that feature enabled in skype microsoft teams and other tools so I want to implement this feature which is trying to enable the standalone app only in few apps and trying to exclude other apps uh, from from this particular standalone app the third interesting feature that I want to implement is adding your own favorite trigger as of now the moment you give your abbreviation in case if it matches the uh, abbreviation in the database it is going to get the expanded text and it is going to paste the snippet but what I want to implement here is i always want to end or i i want the trigger to happen only when user tries to give a special character or only when user tries to give a triggering character and what i mean by that is uh, hash am 
is the abbreviation and uh, hash aim has got some sort of snippet which is associated with it but i don't want to get the expanded format and paste it back in the browser when i give hash am i rather i want that to trigger only when i press something called tab after i give the abbreviation so hash am when i click on tab it's only then the trigger should happen as of now it is automatic which is you go to any part of the web page or you go to any part of the other applications you put your cursor anywhere you say you press hash am it is going to get the complete text and it is going to paste it there but i want the trigger to happen only when a user clicks on or types any particular triggering key and i want to give the option to the users as in users can go ahead and they can customize the trigger character someone can say the triggering character is going to be exclamation somebody is going to say the triggering character is going to be tab so that once after you give the abbreviation uh, it is not going to fire it is going to fire only when you try to give the triggering character as mentioned somebody might have something called dang or exclamation so in that case uh, hash am is not going to give you the snippet rather hash am dang is going to give you the snippet somebody else might have hash am tab so when user tries to give hash am it is not going to expand uh, when user tries to give hash am tab it's only then it is going to get the expanded version and paste it there so i want to give the users an option to have their favorite trigger so based on that triggering key or triggering character it is going to expand the uh, text and uh, display it back to the users the next thing is i want to make sure that the auto upgrading process is smooth so whenever i try to come up with second version or third version or other versions the process of upgrading the software should be smooth as of now uh, what happens is in case if i come up with new version then you'll have to install that version as well and the next thing that i want to talk here is about security and this is going to be a important topic one thing that you need to understand is no data is stored on the server because it is not a client server architecture based software this is a very small utility tool there is no server that is sitting at my place trying to collect all the information that you are trying to type because we are trying to intercept each and every key press that you do just because i am intercepting it doesn't mean i am trying to store a copy of it on my machine or on the server or anywhere so you need to straight away understand the fact that no data is stored on the server or uh, at my place it is only stored on your machine and this software that you're trying to use can work even if you're not connected to internet once after you download it once after you install it there is no need for you to be connected to internet to use this app that clearly says that no data is being sent via internet to me or to my server or anything so once after you install it that is it after that i don't have any control over the software and next thing is this is for sure not a keylogger and keylogger is nothing but a piece of software which is built by uh, malicious software programmers to store all the information that you type and periodically send snapshot of all the information uh, that is kind of captured and this is typically used by uh, malicious programmers to capture your credit card information to capture your facebook and other important web based account related uh, passwords so this is for sure not a keylogger this is going to be a text expander so agreed i'm trying to intercept each and every key that you press but having said that i'm not trying to store the information anywhere all the information that is stored is going to be on your mac and that too you'll be storing abbreviation and snippet nothing more important than that and i would like to take this as an opportunity and i would like to mention something to you here do not try to have some sort of important or crucial data in the software something like your credit card information something like your banking related information 
agreed that it might be hard to remember 16 digit of your uh, credit card but do not try to use this uh, as a as a expander for your uh, credit card number and other stuff because if someone tries to get access to your system then it becomes a lot more easier for him to uh, take this text and use it for their own good so as mentioned do not try to store any of the sensitive information here the purpose of this tool is not to do that the purpose of this tool is just to act as a utility tool and the purpose of the tool is just to expand the text for you and paste it back on the application that you're trying to use it is not there to store all the sensitive information and that stuff and do not expect any sort of encryption or other technologies kind of uh, embedding into the tool when i try to store the information because as mentioned all we are trying to do is i'm trying to build a utility tool which is going to save a lot of time for you and the next thing is i also have to spend some time in making sure that the tool is not vulnerable to xss attack and what i mean by that is xss attack is basically a attack which is used by malicious software programmers to exploit your web based applications and expose your data that is stored in the database so it is basically a technique used by software programmers to to hack your website try to expose the sensitive information which is stored in the database so as of now this tool is not xss secured and i don't see a reason why i have to secure this application from xss because as mentioned the information that you will be storing is only related to your programming snippets and nothing more and this tool will not be connected to internet whatsoever so assume that a person is trying to perform xss on your standalone application in that case he should have access to your machine and he'll be trying to perform xss on the app that is installed on your machine and even if he tries to perform xss on your machine all he'll be seeing is the abbreviation and the snippet nothing much because you're not trying to store any of the sensitive information there you're only trying to store short form and the expanded format there even if he tries and succeeds in performing a xss attack on the machine that you own the information or the data that he'll get access to is nothing but your programming snippets so given a chance i would like to make sure that the app is xss secured it is not that i want to ignore that security aspect but i don't see a reason why i have to implement that feature as a mandate because you might as well leave that because as mentioned even if a person tries to perform the attack he is only going to see information related to your code snippets and nothing much so yeah the gist is given a chance i would like to make sure that the app is xss uh, secured having said that and don't be surprised if i kind of ignore that because it is so not required and the next thing that i would like to talk about is pricing and license uh, i think i have spoken a lot about pricing and license to be very honest i have not decided anything about the pricing aspect of it i have not decided if this tool is going to be a premium solution or i have not decided if this is going to be a free and open source solution for sure i'll not try to open source the code even if i try to open source the application that is because i don't want people to reverse integrate the code and i don't want people to perform all sorts of testing on the software i will try to open source the code uh, only when it is kind of stable when i feel that the code is kind of stable it's only then i'll try to open source the code as well so that you can just try to clone it and try to add your own enhancements and start using it so yeah i have not decided anything about the pricing and for sure i can tell you one thing which is in case if it is going to be a premium solution then it is not going to be a subscription based product and what i mean by that is i'll not be charging you $1 per month or $5 per year uh, it is not going to be a recurring subscription for sure it is going to be a one time payment pay $5 and access the tool for the rest of your life kind of a thing 
so it is not going to be a subscription based product in case if i decide that it is going to be a premium solution and one particular idea that i got is i was thinking on the lines of making this tool free for developers and charging companies if they use it or if their employees are using it that is one of the options that i kind of had and one more thing is if you have any ideas or any innovative ideas as to how can i manage the pricing or licensing thing then you can just send your replies on twitter messages or facebook messages or you can email me in case if you think you have got some cool ideas as to uh, how can i handle the pricing and licensing thing so this is the information about pricing and licensing and before i find it up i want to talk about limitations that this app has got one of the major limitations that this app has got is once after you reboot your machine you have to manually open the uh, app it's only then the text expansion is going to work so let us say that you kind of rebooted your machine automatically it is not going to open the app for you so once after the machine is rebooted you need to manually go ahead open the app it's only after that the text expansion is going to work in all the uh, software that are available within your machine so that is the limitation that is there as of now and i still need to go through electron js documentation just to check if i can auto open a app once after the machine is rebooted if that is the case then probably what i can do is once after the machine is rebooted automatically it is going to open up the software and you don't have to manually open the software so that the text expansion is going to work this is one of the limitations that we have as of now and uh, i'll just try to spend some time fixing this or trying to come up with a workaround for this limitation as well so these are a few things that i wanted to talk about the tool that i'm trying to publish and in the previous episode we discussed about a lot of other things and in the second half of it we discussed about bunch of other useful information so that's all for this episode and i'll see you in the next one